The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Now, there were a variety of ways that policymakers could have ended corporate anonymity. In Western Europe, as I'm sure Tom, most corporations are owned in a public manner. If you are an investor in a British corporation, you can go to Companies House in London and look up the cap table of most private companies. That's not the same in the United States. That was Jonathan Wilson. This is Tom Fox. I visit with Jonathan this week on how to comply with the upcoming requirements of the Corporate Transparency Act. Jonathan and some colleagues have developed a slick new tool and company called the FinCEN Report Company, which will help you comply with this law. Are you interested in the intersection of Sherlock Holmes and compliance? If so, check out my great new podcast series, Adventures in Compliance, where I go through each story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm thrilled to have with me Jonathan Wilson. First of all, Jonathan, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. You bet. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. John, could you, Jonathan, could you tell us your professional background? Sure. So I'm an attorney, and I'm with a large law firm here in Atlanta called Taylor English Duma. I've been in practice for about 32 years. My practice now is primarily mergers and acquisitions and securities and a general corporate practice. But I've also been the in-house general counsel of two different publicly traded companies, one of which was web.com, the website hosting company. Actually relates a little to a project that I have under, underway right now. Why don't you tell us about that project? <laughs> of course. My new project is a startup company called the FinCEN Report Company. And you can find us at FinCENReport.com. I co-founded that company along with Ken Gavranovic, who was one of the founders of web.com, where I worked as a as an in-house general counsel, and then Greg Frame, who's also an experienced technologist. And what the FinCEN Report Company does is we make it possible for companies who are going to have to file their beneficial ownership reports under the new Corporate Transparency Act to do so in a secure and easy way through our online filing engine. And so that's the project I've been working on for a while. So it's the Corporate Transparency Act a part of the AML update of 2020. That is exactly right. It is, that was a really big law. It was part of the Defense Authorization Act for the year. And the Corporate Transparency Act is basically the one section that relates to this new obligation where companies in the U.S. are going to have to file these reports with the U.S. Treasury Department inside its, its FinCEN division 
FinCEN stands for Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And those information reports are going to have to disclose some very personal information about every individual person who has an ownership stake or a substantial control over that company. How do you anticipate the FinCEN report or FinCEN report.com will help lawyers and clients? Absolutely. So the way our software works is each individual can create their own personal account. So for example, Tom Fox could go today to our website, click on the get started button, and he could enter his name, date of birth, home address. He could upload his driver's license or passport. He can provide the driver's license or passport number. Those five pieces of information, those five pieces of PI are the same five pieces of PI that every beneficial owner will need to provide to a company that has to file. If Tom, let's say Tom and I, you and I get together and do business and we form an LLC that we each own 50% of, that LLC is going to be a reporting company. What we would then do is create a company account in the software, give the name and address of the company and the other information required under the report. And then inside the company account, we would identify each of us as a beneficial owner, giving the email address. The system will then notify our personal accounts saying the Fox Wilson company wants to include you as a beneficial owner. Do you agree? If we agreed, then our data would be made available to our company so that it could then file its report with FinCEN through our software. Importantly, the data would not be visible inside the company account. So let's say we hired someone to do this for us. They were our employee of the company. They would know that we had given our consent and they could see that our data was there, but they couldn't actually see what our data was. And that's really at the heart of our system. It keeps individual data confidential and secure, and at the same time makes it available to be filed with FinCEN under this new law. That's how that we help individuals. How we help law firms is, imagine that you're the managing partner of a law firm. You have 100 corporate lawyers, each of whom is connected to 500 companies that are going to have to file. That is a ton of data, and you don't want that data in your network. Law firm document management systems are like libraries. If you, Tom Fox, give your driver's license to your lawyer at a big law firm, that piece of data is going to get filed in this library system, and it'll be viewable, retrievable, by almost every employee of the law firm. It's not secure. What our system does is allow a law firm to upload a client list to us with the name of the company type, a contact name, and a contact email, and we then send out welcome emails to all of the firm's clients that says, Tom Fox at the Fox and Wilson Law Firm has suggested you work with the FinCEN Report Company to get started on the Corporate Transparency Act. If you have any questions, contact attorney name at email address. Otherwise, click here to get started. And when they click here, they then begin to create the company account and the individual account the same way as any other customer of ours. But the law firm is able to see that their client has responded and has started the process. Attorneys in the firm are then able to participate and collaborate in that process providing legal advice to the company to make sure they properly select their beneficial owners. And we do all that at no charge to the law firm. It's completely free. How does the software or yourself ascertain the lawyers who should see the information as opposed to other partners or associates? The law firm is going to tell us as part of the data onboarding process, we ask the law firm to give us the name of the company type, contact name, email, the attorney or attorneys, at the law firm that were supposed to be involved and their email addresses. That way, when it all comes up online, the attorney would log into their their personal account because every individual has their own personal account. And that attorney is going to see on the My Companies tab a list of all the companies that they're connected to as an advisor. You have different roles with each company. 
So for example, Tom Fox is a beneficial owner of this company we created. Well, for that particular company tab, you would be badged as a beneficial owner. If you were an attorney and you had a client, you might be badged as an advisor inside the tab for my companies for that particular company. Johnson, we've identified an elegant solution. Perhaps we might take a step back and identify the problem or at least discuss the Corporate Transparency Act. Could you tell us a little sure. bit about it, what you understood it was designed to either alleviate or remedy, and why you have you and your colleagues have developed this tool to, in part, help satisfy that need? Absolutely. So the Corporate Transparency Act was something that took several years to develop. It was passed by Congress at the end of 2020. It was initially vetoed by then-President Trump, and two-thirds of the House and the Senate overrode that veto to pass the bill. So this is not a blue state law or a red state law. This has a broad bipartisan support. And the purpose is to eliminate, to a degree, corporate anonymity in the United States. And we want to eliminate corporate anonymity because that is one of the fundamental precursors to money laundering. Money laundering is the lifeblood of organized crime. You cannot be a successful drug trafficker. You cannot be a successful human trafficker without the ability to launder your money making it appear as if it's legitimate, paying tax on it so that you can then spend it for whatever it is you're doing, whether it's paying your illegal employees or making investments or doing other things. But money laundering is the lifeblood of organized crime. The best way to do and to engage in money laundering is to use a series of anonymous corporations, moving money from one to the other, then dissolving the corporations behind you. So when law enforcement tries to catch up with the flow of funds, they're unable to identify that you are in fact the ultimate beneficial owner of this illicit enterprise. The United States is one of the worst places in the world for money laundering, which is a fact that I think is surprising to many of us. When I got started on this two and a half years ago, I thought that money laundering was a third world problem. That was something that happened, if you will, south of the border or maybe in Asia. But no, it's actually the opposite. And if you think about it a little while, it actually becomes intuitive. If you are the perpetrator of an illicit crime organization, do you want to invest your money south of the border or do you want to invest it into U.S. dollars? You want to invest it in U.S. dollars. And in fact, the U.S. financial system is so healthy and efficient, that we're also very efficient at laundering money. Now, there were a variety of ways that policymakers could have ended corporate anonymity. In Western Europe, as I'm sure Tom, most corporations are owned in a public manner. If you are an investor in a British corporation, you can go to Companies House in London and look up the cap table of most private companies. That's not the same in the United States. For most of our clients, almost all of our clients in the United States, if you have the name of the company and the state where it's organized, you go to the Secretary of State's database, you might see the name of the lawyer who signed the Articles of Incorporation. You might see the names of the officers if that's required in the annual report. But you cannot identify the ultimate beneficial owners of the company. The Corporate Anonymity, the Corporate Transparency Act, was intended to end that practice by building this database of private companies to be maintained by FinCEN in Washington for the use of banks and for the use of law enforcement. It won't be publicly available. You and I won't be able to query some FinCEN database and find out who owns any individual company, but banks will with the permission of their customers and most U.S. law enforcement will be able to subject to some privacy safeguards. So that's the, what the, sort of that, the CTA is. That law was passed, as you correctly note, January 1, I believe, of 2021, or at least the override. We are speaking on August 1, 2023. Why so long 
for this need to be fulfilled and you and your colleagues to develop, as I said, an elegant solution to it. What's happened in the intervening two years? That is a great question. And since I'm a service provider to this industry and our company is going to be interacting with FinCEN once all this stuff is implemented, I got to be careful not to throw too many stones at glass houses. But the statute itself, as you may recall, required FinCEN to adopt final regulations within one year of the law's passage. Obviously, that didn't happen. FinCEN has had some setbacks along the way in adopting their regulations. Exactly what the nature of those setbacks are and who you blame for them kind of depends on where you sit. As recently as a few weeks ago, the House Financial Services Committee in the House of Representatives held hearings about FinCEN's delay in finalizing its regulations and what ought to be done about it. So that's an issue that's out there. What FinCEN has done is they've taken the law and basically broken it into three pieces. They had one rulemaking that relates to the beneficial ownership reports that companies have to file, a second rulemaking that they call the access rule about how banks and law enforcement will get access to the data. And then there's a third rule that is yet to come that is supposed to harmonize uh, their beneficial ownership reporting regime under the CTA with the very similar but slightly different beneficial ownership reporting regime we have under the bank customer due diligence rule, how we all fill out those forms when you open a corporate bank account that identifies beneficial owners. That hasn't even started yet. The first of those three, the rulemaking on beneficial ownership, began back in 2022 and was finalized at the end of September 2022. So that's the regulation that we're looking at today. That's the regulation that is supposed to take effect at the end of this year, January 1, 2024. What are the three steps you would suggest businesses do or perform now to get ready for their initial beneficial ownership report? Sure. The first thing that they should do is pull together in one place all their constituent documents. If you're an LLC, get out your operating agreement. If you're a corporation, get out your articles, get out your shareholders agreements, all of the documents that make up the governance of the company. And then depending on how complicated that is, you need to get a lawyer who knows what they're doing to walk you through the process of figuring out, number one, is your company going to be a reporting company or not? In general, you're a reporting company if your entity is formed by the filing of a document with the Secretary of State. So that covers all corporations, all LLCs, all limited partnerships. General partnerships in my home state of Georgia are not formed by the filing of a document, so they would not be a reporting company. But a general partnership in the state of Delaware does have to file a document, so a Delaware GP would be a reporting company. So that's step one. Are you a reporting company? Step two is the company exempt. As I'm sure there are 23 different exemptions, they are fairly complicated, but you would want to retain counsel to carefully look at your business to see whether or not you are exempt. The most common exemption that affects small business is what FinCEN calls the large operating company exemption. And that is an entity is exempt and doesn't have to file these reports if they have more than $5 million on their last tax return, as gross income, they have more than 20 full-time employees with full-time employee being defined as it's used in the Affordable Care Act, and then they have a physical place of business in the United States. So that exemption is going to apply to many small businesses, I think, and that would be an important exemption to know about. Once you get it through there, you're a reporting company, you're not exempt, you're going to have to file. The next step is to work with your counsel to figure out who your beneficial owners are, and that's where things really get complicated. We talked earlier about the difference between the CTA and the customer due diligence rule. Both are administered by FinCEN, but the definition of a beneficial owner in the customer due diligence rule 
is not the same as the beneficial owner definition in the CTA. Under the CTA, you are a beneficial owner if you either own 25% or more of the outstanding securities of your reporting company, and even that has some complications to it, and that's why you need counsel, or if you exercise substantial control over the company. So if you have substantial control and you don't own anything, you can still be a beneficial owner. That's going to be very confusing for a lot of business people. You have substantial control if you are either a senior officer of the company, which is defined as the CEO, the CFO, the general counsel, or any person who serves in the similar role. So your title doesn't matter. What matters is how much control you really have. If you're on the board of directors, and if you have the ability to exercise substantial influence over major decisions, and here's where I think a lot of companies are going to get really wrapped around the axle. Let's imagine you have an LLC that has 10 members. They each own 10%. So in all likelihood, they're under the 25% threshold. Breathe a sigh of relief. Maybe we're free. But wait, the operating agreement says that for all major decisions, we're going to have to have a vote of those 10 members. Aha, by voting on major decisions, every one of those members is in effect exercising substantial influence over a major decision. Therefore, each of the 10 members has substantial influence. Therefore, each of the 10 members is probably going to be a beneficial owner for reporting purposes. So all of the gobbledygook I just ran through is what I covered in the book that I wrote, the Corporate Transparency Act Compliance Guide. It's available for sale from LexisNexis. And I think millions of small businesses need to get going, pulling those documents together and working with their lawyers through the, the decision-making tree. Am I a reporting company? Am I exempt? If I'm not exempt, who are my beneficial owners? And have that work done now because there's still a little time left. You could amend your operating agreement to move some people outside of the scope of substantial control. You could restructure the way your ownership interests in your LLC are owned to clarify who is and who is not a beneficial owner. You can do that now. After January 1, 2024, it may be too late and people are going to have to start filing. What are some of the challenges for lawyers and law firms beyond having to read the law, interpret it, and be able to articulate that to a client or potential client? Sure. There are, there are several. The first is this is such a dramatic departure from the way companies have been formed in the United States that the first reaction many people have, including lawyers, is, no, that can't be right. Certainly Congress didn't pass a law that requires 32 million companies to disclose their beneficial owners and have every one of them provide a photocopy of their driver's license. Yes, they did. That's exactly what the law requires. Then the people say, wait a minute. Okay, I understand Congress passed a law, but certainly they won't let that take effect. That would be too disruptive. FinCEN adopted regulations. They take effect in less than six months unless a bolt of lightning comes out of the sky to put a stop to it. Yes, this law takes effect in less than six months and people need to get ready for it. So that's a really big challenge, just convincing people that this is real and it's going to happen. Another big challenge is just raising awareness about it. There are still many lawyers who, incredibly, are unaware of the law. There are many business people who are unaware of the law. One of the criticisms that has been lobbed at FinCEN is that under the statute, they were supposed to have engaged in a broad dissemination of information to educate the business community. I think it's a fair criticism that they haven't been effective at doing that. FinCEN cut a video which is basically a PowerPoint presentation set to music, and they put it on YouTube. And only 7,000 people have looked at it in the last four months. That's not effective to notify 32 million companies that they need to do something different. So the biggest challenge, I think, is raising awareness of people and then convincing people that this is a real law and it's going to take effect in a few months and that they really need to get started now. 
me ask you to maybe turn down the road to 2025 or even 2030. Do you see additional transparency required by the government in to help fight, as you articulated correctly, I would say, the worldwide scourge of money laundering, and particularly that in the United States? I think so. The people, as Tom, who are concerned with money laundering know that it's a global problem. It's not a U.S. problem. It's not confined to any particular nation state. The financial transactions organization that internationally tries to coordinate national regimes has guidelines that nations are supposed to be following to harmonize and coordinate their anti-money laundering activities. Generally speaking, the U.S. tends to lag behind in, in large measure because of our corporate anonymity arrangements. I think that the CTA is a f- important and massive first step towards moving in a direction that, frankly, look, looks a lot more like Western Europe. So yes, I would not be surprised to see more international cooperation as it relates to anti-money laundering, especially once FinCEN gets several years of reporting and compliance experience under their belts, and they begin to see how well that this law is working or not working. Jonathan, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, on the Fin. SinReport.com or your book, what would be the best place or places for them to go? Sure. The best place to start is with our website, FinCENReport.com. You can find my contact details there and send me an email to, to, to that email address and I'll respond. You can certainly Google the book, Corporate Transparency Act Compliance Guide. It's for sale right now from the LexisNexis bookstore, and you can also find it on Amazon. And if you like our demonstration videos on YouTube, youtube.com slash at FinCENReport is our YouTube channel. We have lots of demonstration videos that show exactly how the software works click by click, how you start your own account, how you can create a company account, and then how you can link your company account to multiple beneficial owners. So that would be the best way to get started. Jonathan, I really hope we can continue this conversation. And thank you again for coming on. That'd be great, Tom. Thank you so much. All right. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. I'd like to tell you about two great new podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network, Adventures in Compliance, where I look at the intersection of Sherlock Holmes, leadership, compliance, and business ethics. I'm doing all of the Sherlock Holmes stories as well as the novels. Another is Report from ECI 2023, where I interviewed speakers, guests, and participants at ECI 2023. I know you'll enjoy both of these new podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.